with Brian and Susan is back for its third episode, the Triple Threat Match episode. Very excited. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the co-hostess with the mostest in this quarantine world we're living in, Susan Stevens, the SS herself. How are you? I'm good. Damn, you do know how to do an introduction, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) It's just years of uh, pra- practice and watching wrestling, basically. I was going to say, you, if they ever, you should be on like a wait list for if they ever need like the announcer to like introduce wrestlers coming in, that that should be you. Because that's like, it totally reminded me of that. It was like <laughs> WWE, like the intros. I think that would be a lot of fun. I would love to do it. I'm trying to think of what your uh, your wrestling name would be, Susan. We'll think about that for another episode. Okay. <laughs> Susan's wrestling name. We'll, we'll think about it. If you have any ideas, please let us know. Get at us yeah. at social medias or uh, mybloodypodcast at gmail.com. But yes, we're in our third episode, No BS with Brian and Susan, the newest podcast on the Multimedia Men Network on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and we are in what seems like week 346 of the lock-in, lockdown, quarantine. Susan and I were just discussing about what we missed going out in public and restaurants, theaters, and all that good stuff. However, you know, we're going to make it through it because we're, we're strong film people and we're going to keep it up, right? Yeah, definitely. We got it. Luckily, we've, we were saying we have um, quite a bit of stuff to keep us busy, work from home, other movies, things like that. So it's fine. It's just I think the hardest part is not knowing the the end, like when it's going to end, but it's, it's going to be OK. We got it. Yeah. Listen to Susan. It's going to be OK. So this episode, episode three of No BS with Brian and Susan is called POW! Right in the nostalgia. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I suggested an, an alternate title to this, and it was very pornographic, so we went with this one. <laughs> yeah, there's. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Susan? Can you say it? I can't. I got to remember what it was, and I was like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, the alternate title was I shot nostalgia all over my key, all over my microphone. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Susan, I don't like that, no. I like that. (laughs) So we went with POW, right? in the nostalgia, one of our main events of episode three. We're going to talk about the nostalgic movies and TV shows we grew up with that are helping us cope in these turbulent times that we're having, as well as some products from childhood that will make us nostalgic and maybe even a a meal or food that we grew up liking that we're going to talk about. We're real excited about this, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really am. I think this will be fun. I'm getting nostalgic and for club thinking about it. Oh, my. <laughs> and, of course, our newest segment, our new fun segment, Blind Watch. You know, we talked about it last week. What was that movie last week we did, Susan? 
I don't know how she does it. Yes, it's where Susan and I switch off from week to week picking a movie that we both have never seen in this week. Oh my goodness, was my week. And I apologize in full yeah. force to everybody because I had no <laughs> idea about it. But we'll get to that soon enough yes, and why I'm apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some honorable mentions. But first, first to start out the show, um, I want to tell what we're going to talk about a little bit about what celebrities are doing. Are they doing anything worthwhile to entertain us during this this time we're in, this quarantine living uh, are there going to be any celeb gossip, any celebrity hookups, celebrities donating to the COVID stuff? But Susan is like knee deep in this stuff, and I don't know how I feel about it. You know, mostly me, it might not come surprising. I just don't like actors or actresses. <laughs> it's horrible to oh, say. You should tell that to them right before you interview the next one. You should I, just be I, like, I, I should. I just don't like you. <laughs> I don't like you. They're making me do this. So, so let's ask the first question. No, that no, that, that that would be awesome. No, I think I think I, I I'll take that back. I do like actors and actresses for the most part. I just don't like the celebrity culture that they're involved in, and when they get involved in their own wishwashy stuff. But I'm curious because I've been reading on Reddit and some of the news articles that celebrities are actually donating or making a difference uh in these times and susan what what celebrities should everyone follow pay attention to who are the good ones who are the bad ones oh man i don't i hate to say uh bad ones because i feel like that's me just being biased because you know like i'm not a fan of Certain celebrities, like, obviously, I don't know. I've never been a huge fan of Kanye West. Me neither, Susan. <laughs> I don't like Kanye West at I'm all. Shock! I would have thought you did. Fuck no, I don't. I have never liked Kanye West. I don't own any of his albums or songs. Fuck that guy. Yeah, he is just so, like... Horrible. I try, I try to like that man, but he just makes it so hard because... Uh, even before the Taylor Swift interruption thing, he is just so full of himself. And I always think of that, that stand up where Aziz Ansari talks about being at, I don't know if you've heard this, where he talks about being at Kanye West's party or whatever. Yeah, at his party. And he's like, Yeah, I'm here. We're, he's chilling. We're listening to some music. And, He's really cool. He says he was nice or whatever, but they're listening to music and they're listening to Conway Kanye West's own song. And he's like bumping his head and like, you know, like whatever, nodding his head to his music. He's like, this beats are these beats are dope. Like to his own music. And like he's I'm sorry, he's like, man, that's like me saying, like, these jokes are dope of my own jokes. Like, and I just like that sums up Kanye West though. Like, he is so full of himself. Like he just thinks. I, I can't with him. I, I don't know. So, but to anyone who does like him, to each their own. I'm. It's not. I, it's just a personal preference. Uh, but not. To, there. There are plenty of celebrities that I look up to. Like I like. Obviously, I'm a huge Tom Hanks fan. I think that he's noted as one of the. The nicest people in Hollywood and him and Rita Wilson have been out of the hospital and doing recovering after their coronavirus. So I guess that's that's positive news. 
Um, I'm but happy I, about I, that. Yeah, I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. I mean, there are lots of celebrities that have uh, donated and in different ways, whether it's just flat out money. They're doing it in different ways. Um, I guess Miley Cyrus and her boyfriend Cody Simpson uh, brought like 120 tacos to a local hospital for the hardworking staff. Um, I mean, I heard Pink donated some money. Uh, Brad Paisley. There's lots of. I, I think. I, honestly, I think a lot, a lot of people are doing doing their best to to give back as much as they can. But just in as far as in general, some celebrity gossip news or whatever you want to call it. Uh, well, I was excited to hear that Adam Brody and Leighton Meester are having their second child. I'm Remind me who Adam Brody is. You know who Adam Brody is. Let me look this up. He's in, um, what you call, oh my God. You don't know who Adam Brody is either. Look at you. No, I, well, no, I was trying to think of what you know. He's from oh. OC. Oh, uh, right. Ready yeah. or Not. He was in Ready or Not. He was in Ready or Not. He was in uh, Shazam. Shazam. Yes. Yeah, yes, he's in Shazam yes. as well. I, I know him as Seth from the OC. That's where, like, most people fell in love with him. And, like, and Lane Meester was Blair on... Gossip Girl, and a lot of people like to call them like like Seth and Blair got married, and so it's really cute. But they're having their second child, and I thought was that was just like some nice positive news during this quarantine time, as well as Bachelor fans. Quick little, I know it's something that they've been following. Uh, previous Bachelorette Hannah Brown was quarantined with her runner-up Tyler Cameron uh, and other friends for about a month in his hometown. But she is back in Alabama now, so everyone's speculating that they may be hooking up or dating. And if you watched her season, people felt really bad for her because she had, like, such embarrassing heartbreak. And they wanted her to pick Tyler anyway, so if they got together through all of this, that would be really cool. And then the last Bachelor, Peter, he's quarantined with a girl that didn't even make his top six, Kelly, who was a fan favorite as well. <laughs> and uh, I know this is just, like... Foreign language to Brian. No, I but. just like how like somebody's quarantined with not even their top five people. Yeah. You're, 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 how do you say that to somebody? You're just like, you're just the bottom ten. You're you're yeah. the bottom half. <laughs> <laughs> she was in like the top six or something like that. But yeah, it is. It it's very interesting. Well, she's I, and I've been listening to other podcasts where they've kind of she's revealed that I think so. She's a lawyer, Kelly Flanagan. She's a lawyer and. She's really smart, and I think the show, she's kind of made it seem as if the show maybe pulled her back because she was a little too real and called out the BS of maybe production a little too much and wasn't kind of wrapped up in the fantasy world of The Bachelor as the other contestants were. And she said she was even, like, taken away from Peter a lot and as if maybe they were against her, not maybe not pulling for her to be with Peter. But either way... It was a, they describe it that it was like almost serendipitous the way they got like connected again together. But now he's like kind of stuck in Chicago, staying with her and another friend in her apartment. And they're definitely admitted to like something's going on there. They're not, they're trying not to put a label, but it, if, I mean, he had a horrible ending to his season, I would say. And if they pull out together, that's just kind of ironic. And it's, it's very like, romantic comedy style almost in a way like if they get together through all this but who knows it's like 
We'll see. The truth is after quarantine, what happens with these couples. But uh, also, did you know that Florence Pugh and Zach Braff were dating? You know what? Oddly enough, through Reddit weeks ago, I heard a rumor about that. And I mean, I guess that's cool. I I mean, fine, whatever. Uh, I know there's an age difference there for sure. And I know he he usually likes younger women, but... Uh, there you go. I mean, I like Zach Braff, I guess. I have, I only know him through interviews and movies and TV shows, but I don't know. Yeah, I like him too. Uh, I didn't know that he liked younger women like that. I mean, yeah, again, that's, you know, I don't want to judge a relationship. That's fine. I like them both. She's 24. He's 45. She's been having to defend the age gap and flat out said he's not a creep. I don't think he's a creep. I don't get that vibe. I I would assume maybe it's, I would like to think that she's also maybe more emotionally mature than people her age. So maybe that's something like that. I I have no idea, but hey, whatever works for you guys, I don't want to judge on that. But I didn't, I literally just found out they were dating. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I read something about that, you know, recently and i'm like all right well we'll see how that works out you know you know my eight old added my age old adage of there's no uh real love in hollywood so we'll see how long it lasts yes we've had that discussion before you've admitted to some you've admitted to some it's like point five percent of relationships in hollywood that last and one of them is Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson. I was about to say them. I was like, look at them. I know you're a Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell fan. Yes, I am. I don't know if they're legally married, but they're still no, together. But they might as well. But at this point, it's got to be common law now, for right? For sure, for sure. Yeah, they're uh, they're married as much as they could be. You know, like that's that's a that's a great one. And then finally, one thing I just thought was hilarious, and I don't even know. Did you hear that Donald Trump? has mentioned that he might pardon Joe Exotic. (laughs) So this is coming from somebody whose sole goal in life is to be an asshole and to to just get TV ratings. So it's not going to happen, but it's great that he actually mentioned it. And you know Joe Exotic, Susan, you should know firsthand that he's loving every bit of that. I mean, if you want to talk about making this guy's, like, day in prison, he's already the most talked about person right now during this quarantine. And then you have the president tweeting that he may pardon you. I don't think he's going to do it either. No way. That's what he's doing. Because, if, honestly, if the dude pardons this guy during this quarantine, you've something's really whack on the president's priorities list. No, for like, sure. No, I'm telling you, he's a reality a show host and a a bad one and he just he's trying to do it for tv ratings and to get possible ratings up for him because there nobody likes him and which yeah and which which brings me which i'm assuming you saw i don't know if you saw this clip of him talking talking about how his press conferences have the ratings of a bachelor finale. <laughs> of a, that's, that's exactly. It's like I mean, you know, my my press conference ratings. They're so they're so high. It's like the Super Bowl or, or bachelor finale ratings. And I'm like, oh my god. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty funny. It's I I saw that news article too, and I, 
nothing surprises me anymore with him. I just think that he's Same. he's either trying to make a joke, which a president shouldn't do that for pardons. But I mean, but knowing him, he's probably like, yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm gonna do it because people are gonna start talking about me more. And I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's it's something. It's I guess it's it's funny, but it's at the same time if you if you try not to think too much about it, it's funny. But if you go too deep, then you're like, oh God, God help us. God help us, <laughs> indeed. Right. Oh my goodness. So so yeah, the <laughs> that's that's a good one to end on for sure. Yes, that is the one I just because I'm. I know we've talked about Tiger King a lot, but that was that was fresh. That was like this week. So there you go. That, was... uh, that, that that's our celebrity gossip, our celebrity hookups, and our celebrity pardons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Joe Exotic will be back with yeah. updates, and hopefully, since <laughs> Susan and Joe Exotic are like best friends, pen pals, you know it. <laughs> they uh, you, you might uh you might be the campaign manager for his next run in office or next. Uh, try to run in office, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I want to be on that train. I would really. <laughs> oh God, that's how much I love tigers. Yeah, that's when I th- when I think about Susan, I think about tigers. Yeah. yeah. So we'll move on to another bit of news. Uh, the this past weekend, WrestleMania 36 happened. The, the big WWE Super Bowl of the year, WrestleMania 36, actually did happen. And no, it was not in Tampa, Florida, like it was supposed to be with, you know, 100,000 people in attendance. No, of course, they canceled it. And all the live WWE shows and WrestleMania have been uh, taped at the Performance Center, which is kind of like the training ground and gym for all of WWE personnel, and without an audience. And so they did WWE WrestleMania 36 at this place with zero audience. They filmed it a week prior, and they showed it over the course of two days. And Susan, I know you know you like a little bit of the wrestling. Did you get to check out any clips or read any stories about WrestleMania 36? No, I did not. I was actually just going to wait for you to fill me in. I do enjoy it, though. And actually, Trevor and I were talking about how, you know, we really enjoyed the watch party last year and we would have totally gone again if that happened. And it's just it's more fun for me to watch that with you guys, like just the energy of a group watching because also you, you know, I I don't know what's all going on there because I haven't watched it in so long. So I get like the fill in facts from you, especially like the Conways, like Adam knows so much about like that dude's, I feel like as soon as you ask him, who's this, who's that, he's got like the background information, which is really nice. He does. And I know his secret. Adam constantly has an iPad at his disposal and he's (laughs) on it 24 seven. So he like types in it in and he's like, Oh wait, here it is. Here's the info. Yeah. Think about that. That's true. I mean, it's true. Like he, he sounds like a like so factual. I'm like, oh, okay. He so. sounds like Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, for real. So, but I mean, yeah, it was. It's a bummer. Plus, I don't know how I could. They didn't have an audience, right? Correct. So is that not just super weird to watch WrestleMania that way? No, it is very surreal and very odd and bizarre because you know a lot of 
wrestling, a big portion of it is the audience because they do the chants and the boos and they uh, the wrestlers usually play off of that energy and to not have that there is very strange. And so when you have the live audience there, you you, you don't get to hear the wrestlers talking to each other or screaming or telling what move they're going to do next to their opponent. So without, yeah. without an audience there and just maybe a commentator or two, you hear everything. So luckily it was all filmed prior. It wasn't live. So they can kind of edit stuff out like that. And yeah. so I'm going to say like th there were titles that changed hands. Now this go over kind of like a, uh, a big or not a big, a very quick list of things that really stuck with my mind. Uh, so mm -hmm. uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kiari Sane for the Women's Tag Team Championship. It was a decent match. I did want the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kiari Sane to win because WrestleMania 36 was supposed to be pirate-themed and Kiari Sane is a pirate. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, uh, yeah, and a little bit of celebrity gossip for Susan, Alexa Bliss, named Lexi <laughs> Kaufman, is dating who? Who? Ryan Cabrera. What? What? Really? Yes. So much for his reunion with Audrina Patridge on the hills. <laughs> New hills, whatever. They try to make... I knew that was just a gimmick thing. Right. But okay. So yeah, Alexa All Bliss right. and Nikki uh, Cross defeated uh, Alexa Bliss, yes. And then the, the champion for over a year now, Becky Lynch, uh, the Irish last kicker, Defeated Shayna Baszler for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, which uh, Becky Lynch is like the biggest thing in wrestling right now. I had hoped that she would lose to Shayna Baszler because over the last three years, Shayna Baszler, a former UFC champ, just a badass all around, uh, has been billed as like she has basically not lost a match. And then she lost to Becky Lynch here, which doesn't make sense. But I get it in a wrestling story kind of world because Becky Lynch is supposed to be the biggest and bestest. She's kind of like the new stone cold popularity type thing. So I get it. I get it. Uh, Sami Zayn defeated Daniel Bryan for the Intercontinental Championship, which is all sorts of fun. And then there was a triple threat ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, which meaning they just they hang the belts at the 20 feet above the ring and you have to climb a ladder to get it. So that was between John Morrison, Jimmy Uso, and Kofi Kingston. And it was just a fun, crazy, hard-hitting match. It's fun watching wrestlers fall 30 feet to the mat. And then uh, you had a no-disqualification match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens that lasted about 20 minutes, and that was one of the best matches of the first night. And then Braun Strowman, the big, big, big muscular wrestler, defeated Goldberg. Yes, that Bill Goldberg. <laughs> Uh, for the WWE Universal Championship. Yes, Goldberg was the champ. Still, at like 60 years old, Braun Strowman defeated him in under two minutes. It was a horrible, stupid, no good match. Nobody cared. But then, the final match of night one was a boneyard match between The Undertaker and AJ Styles, the phenomenal one. Wow. 
And let me tell you about this Boneyard match. Did this match take place in the ring? No. Did this match take place in the event center? No. This match, the Boneyard match, was filmed like an actual horror action movie. It, it's exactly how it was filmed. It was filmed in an actual graveyard on a farmland with a farmhouse. AJ Styles came in in the hearse, in the coffin. You thought Undertaker was going to be there? Nope, it was AJ Styles. And then Undertaker appeared, but not as the Undertaker. He revamped his old gimmick as the Biker Taker rolling in on a Harley Davidson with the bandana. And the two proceeded to have a buried alive match where the only way you could win is bury your opponent alive. <laughs> Oh no, that sounds awful. <laughs> so basically, AJ Styles died that night. And the last shot of the night was AJ Styles' hand coming out through the dirt, lifeless. <laughs> Beautiful. That's that's great. Well, I will say, I think that was probably, you think it was smart to do it in a setting like that, so it's not as weird that there's no audience? No, it was so perfect. Like, it was so good. Like, it was actually filmed like a movie. There was no wrestling ring, yeah. so they filmed inside the barn house on the tombstones. They climbed the farmhouse and threw each other off, and then all of a sudden... Undertaker made fire come up from the house, and then these Death Eaters came around to try to eat Undertaker. And then once AJ Styles got Undertaker into the uh, shallow grave, or actually like the six-foot dug grave, AJ Styles was in a tractor about to pour the dirt, dirt on him, and then all of a sudden Undertaker appears from behind him. <laughs> <laughs> it oh was so wonderful and it was everything I'm, great about how silly and fun and entertaining wrestling can be yeah yeah that actually sounds like something i think i'm gonna youtube that one no. that one sounds funny. no i think you'll really like that one it's so funny and then night two came along and we had uh well, we got some good ones we had charlotte flair and ray ripley for the nxt women's championship yes nxt the uh the Kind of like the, all the up-and-comers before they make the main card on Raw and SmackDown. NXT is probably the one of the best things WWE has going for it. Charlotte Flair is back at NXT. She defeated, of course, Ray Ripley. And then you had a singles match between Otis and Dolph Ziggler. Otis is like a 500-pound fat dude who can flip and do the worm and is in love with a beautiful blonde. Well... He got his witch. He defeated Dolph Ziggler and got to kiss Mandy Rose. It was amazing. And then you had a 40-minute last-man-standing match between Edge and Randy Orton. So this match, the last-man-standing match means that there are no count-outs. If you don't get up from your feet by the count of 10, you lose. So the this match went through the entire training facility and it was just 40 minutes of old wrestlers trying to outdo one another. And it was just super boring because it lasted 40 minutes. That match would have been better if it was 15 minutes. So there's that. You and then you had the main event with Drew McIntyre and Paul... Or not Drew McIntyre with Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Brock Lesnar being the championship for a long time. <clears throat> Excuse me. This match was also awful. It was under five minutes, and it was just Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar doing their finishing moves three or four times over until one of them didn't get up. 
that person with Brock Lesnar. He lost the title to Drew McIntyre, which we're all excited for because he deserves it. This is his first time as champion. Really liked it. But the match I want to talk to you about the second night, which I think Susan will YouTube, was the Firefly Funhouse match between The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, and John Cena. Ooh, I like John Cena. Much like the Boneyard match with The Undertaker, this was also filmed like a crazy horror comedy movie where Bray Wyatt, who's known as The Fiend for the last uh, year or so, Bray Wyatt has developed this character where he is like Mr. Rogers and he has a show like Mr. Rogers with puppets. But deep buried beneath Bray Wyatt is this demonic entity from hell who just wants to destroy everything called the Fiend. He wears a very scary mask with demonic teeth and blood. And he was fighting John Cena. So as John Cena came out to the ring, he was somehow transported to the Firefly Funhouse, which then John Cena was transported through all the eras of wrestling, such as the NWO, Saturday Night Main Events, WCW, all in character and all in the official garb until Bray Wyatt the Fiend scared John Cena to death. (laughs) And thus the Fiend defeated John Cena. Oh, all right. And the commentators for this were actual puppets. Oh my God. Nobody oh my God. knew okay. what was happening, but it was unbelievably good. <laughs> okay. okay, I'll check that one out too. No, I made a note. Yeah, of both it's those. crazy. No, I, so what I'm saying is that I hope WWE does more of this. This was started by Matt Hardy of the Hardy Brothers uh, back when he was in TNA where he was the delete guy. He was Matt Hardy deletion. And he used to do these crazy vignettes, movie types of matches. And then I think people have started to tack on how good they are. So that is my WrestleMania 36 recap. It's kind of underwhelming. However, you should definitely YouTube or try to look up the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. I think you will definitely enjoy all of that. Yeah, I will. That sounds good. Good deal. All right. Let us move on to one of our main events. The nostalgic pow. Wow. Right in the nostalgia. (laughs) So let's talk about nostalgia. Nostalgic. What is the definition of nostalgia? You know, I think it's kind of like something that happens in your brain, much like when a drug hits your brain. Uh, that creates this chemical reaction. So nostalgia is a sentimental longing or wishful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. And I think being in this lockdown across the globe, a lot of people are cleaning out their closets and under the bed and in their file cabinets and just kind of rediscovering old pictures because we have a lot of time on our hands and it brings up these nostalgic, sweet, fun memories. So, Susan, what makes something nostalgic to you? Um, I think you kind of pointed that out, like, because that is something I have been doing is, like, just two nights ago, I organized a shoebox of stuff that I have, which are, like, old old cards and old... Um, 
old things that little trinkets and things like that but I think it's just when you it's either a thing or item or TV show or movie that I remember back in my past usually for me when I'm you know the younger days especially when my childhood is what I really think of as nostalgic and it just brings you back to a time when things were easier like you think back and you're like it was like a time where you just felt like carefree and it's almost nostalgia can almost be like calming too in a way because it gives you like a second to just remember the good times i guess you could say and i just i, I would just love to see susan's shoebox full of weird things <laughs> it's a lot of like cards more than anything else i have some old letters from like high school or like something like no, actually, none of them are from crushes. It's just from friends because that was really like what you did. You do that in high school? Did you ever like pass notes with your friends between classes? Yeah, you, I used to like do origami. And there used to be like a certain origami thing that you would make a note thing out of that you would open up, yeah. and then you would make also the notes in kind of like where you put like your index thumb and middle fingers, and you can like pick a number, pick a color type of thing. And on the end, you lift up the flap and there's like a note in there. So yeah, definitely pass notes. Of course. Of course. Yeah. 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 I have this like old keychain that I always, I always have it in there, but it's an old keychain. One of my best friends, Kristen, uh, gave it to me in high school and it says, I've got pretty sweet tetherball skills. And it's from Napoleon. Dynamite. I love that. Just like random things. Uh, and you know, you just, you know, I see something like that and then I remember when she gave it to me I remember kind of that time in my life and it just puts a smile on my face and I just, I don't know, for like at least a good minute, you're kind of transported back to a time that was not today. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So, so with that in mind, Susan, I want to know what movies and TV shows are you watching coming or just like coming back to because your nostalgia has kicked into high gear? Yeah, I've yes, I have done this. So first with the and that's where Disney Plus has been. It was like that's what I was using for like a good two weeks. Because first I started with my childhood movies, like movies I watched when I was a kid. So movies like The First Kid, which was probably one of my favorite ones, and still holds up today with Sinbad. Um, it's so good. I I, I was about to ask what movie is this, and you said Sinbad. And I was like, oh fuck, I remember the poster for this movie and seeing it. He's like, got to protect the president's kid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's good. It is good. It's funny. He is hilarious. Ba back when Sinbad uh, was like the Dave Chappelle of our time. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Like he, there was another one that I wish they had on Disney plus called house guests or no, no, no. Sorry. House guests actually is with Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Chevy Chase and Farrah Fawcett. And that's on Hulu. But Man of the House was with... No, no, no. I think uh, you're right. House Guest is with Sinbad and Phil Hartman. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. I get those views. I always call them the... the house Guest is that. Man of the House. Because, yeah, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is the Man of the House. That's what it is. It's fighting them. <laughs> I can't even get those two. I always They're get those the two. They're the same movie, that. basically. Well, I think because when I was a kid, and that's how you remembered... Your, I remember going to Tom Thumb... Because you could rent movies, one or two day rentals for like 99 cents. And that one, I always remember, I get confused because I rented both those movies at the same time. The Man of the House and House Guest. So they're so similar to me. But 
Uh, Jungle to Jungle is on Disney Plus as well with uh, Tim Allen. Uh, love that one. Just I that's something that I remember. I remember watching a double feature of that and George of the Jungle in Irving Mall one time. And uh, just there's a lot of great heavyweights is on there. That's probably one of my all time favorite movies in general. I auditioned um, for Heavyweights long ago and got like three callbacks for that movie. Yeah, I feel like you might have told me, but that's awesome. I would, do you, that would have been really cool if you're on there. I would have, I would own you in a movie. <laughs> heavyweights. That and Camp Nowhere with those two movies. So, yeah, and I watched Camp uh, Nowhere too recently. As I still well. like that movie. That one's still good too. I think uh, Heavyweights is way better though. Right. Right. And then um, I'm gonna be on. Well, I I decided to rewatch. I was doing this. I rewatched Smart Guy, and I had done the. This was earlier before the quarantine, where I watched like all my favorite Disney Channel shows. So like Even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire, Smart Guy, and now I just rewatched all of Recess, the animated series. Yeah. So freaking good. Still Love that up. show. Yes, it's so witty. Whoever wrote that show, well done. It's like somebody who really truly understood the how to dramatize things in the playground. I, I somebody who probably really loved Recess, and I don't know. You just feel the, you can tell how much effort was put in that show, and um, yeah, it's just very witty. And uh, I know some of the stuff you were watching that I I can't wait to rewatch. Um, I want to rewatch Doug and Rugrats and Hey Arnold. I would love to rewatch all of those. Right, yeah. So I, I, I have definitely been rewatching Doug and and Rugrats. Doug was only on for like three seasons. I don't remember that. And I think Rugrats wasn't wasn't on for that long either. But you know, going back to those shows and what makes it nostalgic for me, I think I just, you know, kind of just grew up on those shows. Those were like early 90s shows and I was, you know, 10 or 11 at the time and just remember watching them and just feeling good like, you know, you're at home, you're in your safe space and even though they're not like the best shows ever, you just like there's something kind of warm and fuzzy and safe about them. And, yeah. you know, and I loved, loved, loved all of the music and the theme songs to that, like Doug, like, do, 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 you know, yeah. kind of like that with Porkchop. And then yeah. with Rugrats, you know, that do, 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 and having those kids just, their minds just don't know any better from an adult and just having like uh all of their adventures i i really like it and i wish they still made stuff like that today so i've been watching those here and there uh yeah. with that type of stuff and then i i recently watched the original star wars trilogy and just because star wars gets me nostalgic too and i'm surprised to find out that return of the jedi still makes me emotional i don't know why just really? does really yeah there's like i was like oh man there's some good stuff in there so i i like that aspect so those are like the the kind of three big ones that i've been kind of watching here and there I haven't like deep dived into my my eighties films really, but mm -hmm. I've been kind of doing the animated stuff. I've been trying like 
hell to find Ren and Stimpy, and it is no fucking where to be found on any streaming service, not iTunes for purchase or Amazon, none of it. It sucks, because I would gladly pay all the money for every episode of Ren and Stimpy right now, and they're not not available on anything. So that's very upsetting, because Ren and Stimpy was a big part of my childhood as well. But Rugrats and Doug have really been really been there and it's fun to I, I recently watched the episode of Doug where they try to do and this would uh, really excite Susan is that when Doug and the classmates try to do a school uh, news program uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it just goes tits up it's really funny uh, but it, it was really cool I like seeing that type of stuff and yeah. Yeah. I miss it don't you miss it I do. I do. I do. And I think yeah. you pointed out something that, that that's true. Is that That's why I think I like watching shows like Recess. And I'm sure when I rewatch like Doug and Rugrats and Hero Arnold, I'll feel the same way. Is that it reminds you of a time where you're just at home and literally that was my Saturday. That was my Sunday where these shows would just be on repeat. And I could watch the same episodes like over and over. That's why like I knew every episode of Recess. I would Once it started, I was like, oh, I know how this ends. But I loved it. I just – it reminds you of a time that you felt very safe and it, really it's just – it's it's nice. And I agree with you too that – they don't make shows like this anymore. And it's not just us being like cynical and like, Oh, kids these days or whatever. It's literally that somehow partly, I think the writers these days are more afraid to, to take the risk of possibly being offensive. Not that they were making offensive cartoons, but they just went there with the old content a little bit more. And like, I mean, I don't even know if they're comfortable talking about like in recess, the over uh, overweight kid Mikey is made, is made fun of for being fat at one point, <laughs> which you know? is part of life. And it I, happens to everybody. It happens to everyone. It's not meant to be a big like you know. This is something kids are gonna deal with, and I don't know if even cartoons are feel brave enough to do that anymore. Like it's just it's crazy. It's either they don't want to be they're too offensive. It's bad acting. Like the the material is just not as good as it used to be. No, I, I agree. I mean, there there's some stuff, but it's animated shows that are very much for adults, and they they understand it. But like stuff like yeah. Dory yeah. Explorer or something like that, it's just they don't have that essence of what animated shows were like back then. Uh, so, I I fully agree with that. And you know, a, a few other shows that. I haven't started watching, but I'll probably watch uh, the stuff that I used to watch on Friday Night Snick on Nickelodeon. Stuff mm, like mm, Clarissa yeah. Explains It All and Family Matters and Step by Step and Roundhouse and Are You Afraid of the Dark type stuff. Like, that was my Friday night that I would growing up. I would watch those shows. Yeah. And I know some of those are still on that you can find through streaming services. Like, Clarissa Explains It All, I think there was only, like, two seasons of that, which is really weird. Where is that? Clarissa, I want to watch that again, too. Uh, I'll, ha- I'll, I'll have to look that up, but uh, it, it's definitely on, though. It might be on Hulu or something like that, but there's only, like, two or three seasons of that as well. So, but... But yeah, I think it is on Hulu. I think all those shows are on Hulu because I think Family Matters, there was tons of seasons of that. 
and those are all on. So I need to like just go back to those live action ones and relive, you know, where in the span of 23 minutes, a family can solve all their troubles in 22 minutes and everybody be happy and have fun doing it. So I like that aspect of it. So that, the, the, that stuff is nostalgic for me as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, for sure. I, I love those shows. And I did do that actually on when Hulu released the TGIF lineup. I watched Family Matters, Sabrina, Teenage Witch, Step by Step, like all those shows. And it was it was just the same feeling, same nostalgia, still just as good, that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, check check your local streaming services and try to hop on that nostalgic bandwagon. I even if it's momentary, you will feel better about life and yourself even if it just lasts for an hour it it really does help so check that out and so keeping with the nostalgic theme are there any products from childhood that make you nostalgic like like for me like slap bracelets oh my god slap bracelets where you just like the little bracelets with all the funky designs and you just like slap it on your wrist Yes. yes. I had tons of them. Actually, somehow in college at Kansas, I found somebody on eBay selling like 300 of them for like $20. I bought them and yeah, used to give them out to people, have them at the apartment for people who come over. <laughs> yes, I was a fan of slap braces. Actually, this is going to be really gross. I had one. It was like a pink and purple one that I wore all the time. My brother had to tell me, like, he was like, dude, you need to throw that away. It stinks. It's like the coloration was like, it was turning like brown, but I loved it. I didn't want to get rid of it because, you know, you can't wash a slap bracelet. Like, it's just in there. It was cloth. So it was just like getting funky. And eventually I threw it away, but I, 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 not without a fight. I didn't want to let that go. No, that's pretty funny. Uh, and the other things that I grew up with that I really loved, there were these like little uh, like water games where you would have two buttons on either side and then you had like kind of like an aquarium filled with plastic. Sometimes it was basketball nets and basketballs. And these little buttons yes. would push like a little stream of water and you try to get the basketballs in the hoop. I had those and I really missed that. The old Game Boy, the original Game Boy. And then uh, I never did a Tamagotchi, but I had friends that did. And I just think the word Tamagotchi gets me. Uh, Cause I'm like, oh shit, back in the day. <laughs> and of course, like my old, like, mountain bike or dino bike and like a skip it in my board game crossfire like that shit gets me nostalgic uh what any other products for you yeah yeah so i had skip it on there because i was jealous of every friend who had to skip it i wanted one so badly uh but just on what you're saying I, as well i did have a tamagotchi i also had like a gia pet so the thing before a tamagotchi but i had both those oh actually i had a uh they had a Salem from Sabrina, like version of a Tamagotchi. I loved it. Oh, I was so obsessed with Sabrina. But um, also Beanie Babies. I would collect teeny Beanie Babies. At, like so obsessed with those. I have like a bag somewhere at my parents' house of those things. I had a Furby. <laughs> you got into the Furby. All right. I never had one. Oh, thank God. I got one because I remember the commercial and I was like, I want one, I want one. We still have it in my parents' drawer somewhere. 
if you ever wanted to murder a toy, that's that's what you would want to murder because they are the most annoying things. I was like so excited. Actually, it's a great. That's what they should use in in high schools to better prepare kid, uh, like you know, teens for possibly having a baby because you stick some batteries in them and a Furby won't shut up. I, I kid you not, you put a Furby in your room and they will wake you up at 5 a.m. be like, mmm, Furby hungry. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck was that? Oh, do and that you gotta, again. Like, stick your, you stick your finger in its mouth and it starts going like, mmm, yum, yum. That could get pornographic very fast. <laughs> And then it's just, it doesn't do anything. It, all it does is complain about being hungry and crying and wanting attention. And it's not like cozy. It, it really, I got to a point where I removed the batteries. Like I'm surprised my Furby didn't go full Chucky and murder me because I just felt like it was possessed. I, I, but it's very, yeah, those are nostalgic. <laughs> I still we, have mine somewhere. We, we still, we saw a Furby this past year in a movie called Uncut Gems where Adam Sandler lifts up a diamond encrusted Furby. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I, uh, I can't believe that that would, that's even somewhat still cool. I mean, I guess it, it was, it was a big deal, but yeah, it's, when when you when you said beanie babies, I never I, I had like one or two beanie babies, but I was really into pound puppies. Do you remember pound puppies? Yeah, yeah, I can't picture them, but I do remember that name. Yeah, I had pound puppies quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, McDonald's would uh, would sell them uh, with their Happy Meals, so I feel bad for my poor parents because I was like, I was such a brat about that. I was like, I if they got if they gave me one and I already had it, I'd be like, I already have. One. <laughs> Turn around, go back. We're getting another one. Like, I need another one. Like, what the hell? And then they're just they're sitting in the storage somewhere. It's just so sad. But um, also, all my Barbies. I, I still have a few at my parents' house. Um, but Barbies, Play-Doh. I mean, I know Play-Doh's still a thing now, but Play-Doh was awesome. And Play-Doh was awesome. Yeah, yeah, but it was, I love, I still actually really love the smell of Play-Doh. I think it smells fantastic. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I, um, that's, it's a nostalgic smell. That would go with the smells of um, my childhood. And then, do you remember Pongs? Pongs or Pogs? I thought there's pronounced Pongs, P-O-N-G-S. Okay, so, well, I don't know what you're referring to, but I know Pogs were like the little cardboard circle things that you play a game with. No, they're they're. I'm looking it up right now. It's spelled P O N G S. What are pongs? That's what pongs are. Pongs. Pongs are the circle thing, the circle things that you collected, and you could play games with them. Is that why nobody wanted to play with me? No, it's pogs. What? No, yeah, it's P O G S. Why am I looking at P O? I'm literally looking at this, and it says pongs is a decorative textiles or whatever and it's when you pull up the images toy pongs to, i'm looking at i so no it's pogs it's p-o-g-s why is this one say p-o-n-g-s <laughs> i thought it was pogs too but i put it up and they got no i know it's pogs like alf pogs <laughs> so 
I, I never got into the Pong's Pog thing. <laughs> no? No, no uh, I didn't, actually. I mean, all my friends did, and I played, but I never, like, set out to collect them. I, I did comic books, and I did uh, sports cards, like football, basketball cards, rather than Pogs. Mm. So it was just another thing that I had to collect, and I just was like, ah, I'm not going to do that, and it's kick with the comics and sports cards thing. And that, that's what I did. That's what I did. I, I, I didn't get too into it. Um, it was a brief, like, period because I feel like I got in right before it was about to, like, die out. And I – but I did like the ones that I had. And so when I see those, though, I do think of, like, going to people's houses and just showing them off and stuff. But, I mean, there's so many toys. I was such a, a fan of so many, like, any cool toy from the 90s or – you know, 80s, I guess. Right. No, they're they're so good. So, so good. Uh, oh, my goodness. All these products and films and TV shows making us nostalgic. The last thing on this nostalgic train we're going to throw at you is just one meal, one one food meal that you grew up with that makes you feel nostalgic and at home. Susan, what's yours? So, actually, I would say... Um, like baking, like, baking, uh, like box cakes. Uh, growing up, my mom always had either a bunt cake or cupcakes without the frosting, and just, just, or or just a regular cake, and it would just be in this like dish for us to like nibble at throughout the the week. And it just, especially the bunt cake, is what really gets me. I just remember her having that, and so out of the you know. Whatever Duncan Hines box, she'd make like lemon or vanilla or spice. And so during this time, I have I've been baking a lot more, and I made I made cupcakes, spice cupcakes, and I made just yesterday a yellow cake. And I use it with frosting because Trevor likes frosting. But I've told him I was like I'm not a huge frosting person. I grew up with no frosting, so. Uh, but as I've been as I've been making it, I found it's been therapeutic, and I think it's because it reminds me of the times that my mom would let me help her, like uh, use the hand mixer or lick the batter, and it's just bringing up those good times. Because yeah, afterwards I would just start eating the cake and watch my cartoons. There you go. There you go. I like that. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about? You? Yeah, mine was my mother used to make chicken and dumplings homemade, and I used to pronounce it chicken and ducklings when I was little. <laughs> I was like, I want the chicken and ducklings. Aww. So, and it was a really great recipe, and I st I still I make it today, and it's great. And so, you know, I boil some chicken, do some cream of chicken soup. Uh, and then for the dumplings, what's really easy and fantastic is all I do is I get some flour tortillas, cut them up, put them in the soup, and within like 15 minutes, they are dumplings, man. They get soft and big and puffy and, you know, put a little spicy, not spicy, little spices in it, some dill weed, some stuff like that. And man, you got a stew brewing, baby. And it is so good. So I usually make some cornbread with that. And it's just like this home, warm, cooked meal that I can just sit up on the couch under a blankie and watch some Legends of the Hidden Temple. 
and eat some <laughs> another yeah, yeah eat some chicken and dumplings and cornbread i loved it i loved it and you know to go with your your sweet tooth thing my mom used to make if i did good in school or something like that if it was a special occasion she used to make these uh, brownies these chocolate brownies with white rum icing and chocolate chips on top and oh my god when that when that came around i was like oh i did something good and i was like fuck i'm just gonna eat all of that so those were always fun to to eat so yeah the nostalgic show pal right in the nostalgia that uh when one of our main events i hope you feel nostalgic now do you susan I do. It makes me, honestly, it makes me want to go find my Furby, see if it still works. But also, it really does make me want to bake more. Like, I really do, because that's, that's what it is. It's just reminding me of the good times back at home, because I haven't baked a cake in such a long time just doing that. And take this opportunity, people, to make something that reminds you of your good times, because it really, it, again, it's another break from all this that's going on that'll make you feel good. Right, right. Ah, so crazy. So mm-hmm. keep it nostalgic, but we're going to move on to Blind Watch, our segment mm-hmm. Blind Watch, where I got to pick the movie this week. And early on in this show, I apologize, and I'll tell you why. So when I was going through the streaming services looking for a movie that we both haven't seen because... For both of us to not seen a movie is kind of rare, but for me to not have seen it is even, I think, more rare because I've seen just fucking so much. Well, I think it's rare for you to not uh, seen like a horror. Film. Right, right. But like, I see a lot of movies, and I, I've watched a lot of yeah. movies, so I've, it, it's more of a struggle for me to find something that I haven't watched, and then make sure Susan hasn't watched either. So I arrived on a movie called Carriers from 2009, and all I saw was like, oh shit, Chris Pine, and looks like kind of a zombie movie. Okay, let's watch it. Fuck, I was wrong. It is a coronavirus (laughs) movie made in 2009 that is not fun at all. As I was watching it, I wanted to text Susan so bad. I'm like, fuck, I'm sorry about this. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to be like leave it to Brian to pick something that just gives me more anxiety but also not even worth the anxiety right, well so I'm, we'll talk about that real quick because I have some things to say about it so so, do I. so Carriers was a movie in two, that came out in 2009 but that was shot in 2006 and it stars Chris Pine uh, who you know from the Star Trek series and Wonder Woman, all, along with Piper Perabu, who is most famous from Coyote Ugly, and uh, Christopher Maloney, who you've seen in tons of stuff, a very young Kiernan Shipka, which uh, is Don Draper's daughter in Mad Men, as well as Lou Taylor Pucci, who was in movies like Thumbsucker and the recent Evil Dead movie. He's the one that recited the passage in the Necronomicon book. But this movie, I would imagine, was put on the hold shelf, and then once Chris Pine became a worldwide sensation after Star Trek, they released this movie the same year. So, to uh, capitalize on his popularity... So that's kind of who's in the film. Now, the the film was actually shot in New Mexico and Texas, which is kind of cool. But uh, 
what it, how do you I'm just gonna give you a brief synopsis of this film. So the movie takes place after an infectious virus has pretty much wiped out everybody and these characters, uh, Brian and Danny, who are two brothers played by Lou and Chris Pine, are traveling with their respective kind of girlfriends to try to find safety and a cure and whatever, and they come across a lot of bad people or incidents. And that's kind of how it is, but how they describe the virus and everything that's happened, it's like very similar and eerily oh, the same as what's going on now. So it's I just like, oh, when that happened, I was like, oh, man, I thought this was going to be a fun zombie movie with Chris Pine. It, so you didn't know it was about a virus? Like no, this. I really, because I, all uh-huh. I saw was Chris Pine. I saw Flesh Eaters. And I'm like, oh, a zombie movie with Chris Pine. Let's watch it. How did I miss this? I, I, I'm shocked. Okay. First of all, is Kieran Shipka, is she the little girl that's like sick in the car? Yeah, so they're, Christopher Maloney wow. and Kieran Shipka are only in it for a, a couple minutes. I didn't realize that was her. She was really young. Yeah, most of the time her face is covered by a a mask uh, to keep her from coughing. And like this virus, if you breathe on somebody, if you get blood or semen or spit on anybody, like you kind of like develop this hardcore rash and you die horribly. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. it's it's very different than Corona. This is like you're rotting. You essentially will rot to death. Right. If you get it. So... So that's kind of the gist of the film with this kind of really cool cast. And so it was directed by Alex and David Pastor. Excuse me, I believe they're brothers. And what I'm, I'll give you a couple thoughts to the film, like a couple vague thoughts of the film. Overall, I think that there is some smart stuff to this movie. However, I think it gets in its own way with the -the over-the-top ridiculousness of their characters. Like, you just don't... Like, they make... Some of the characters, specifically Chris Pine's character, makes a lot of decisions that just don't make sense. You're you're just like, why is he going this way? Why would you do this? And Mm -hmm. I guess they just wanted to show how something like this could cause somebody to downward spiral. Uh, However, I think there was a lot of pretty decent things in this as far as kind of how they told the story and uh, how they didn't kind of make it a happy ending really. Uh, But I think in the scheme of like these virus flicks, I think this is kind of a smarter one in my opinion, although, you know, it's not an excellent film. I just think there was a couple decent and smart things they did with it. Uh, in my opinion, that's like my vague thoughts. We'll get into scene specifics, but I'm curious on the first movie I picked, Susan, what she thought. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, first of all, shout out to also the other respective girlfriend with uh, Lou, the guy actor Lou or whatever, the, the good brother, I guess, was uh, Emily Van Camp, just because I was I didn't know she was in it, and I got really excited because I'm a huge Everwood fan, and she was in that, plus people know her from Revenge, and... Um, a few Avengers movies as well, like Captain America ones, but I did not like it. <laughs> I did not like this movie. I, I mean, partly because I did get a lot of, it stressed me out during this time to watch something a little too close to home that's happening right now, especially when it's revealed that it's, 
it like I was like, are you kidding me? When it was from China? Yeah, right. I saw when that happened. I'm like, oh no, fucking way. <laughs> I, was, I was like, are you shitting me right now? Like seriously? And this is something that, like, uh, this does not like, uh, and not to get too like, whatever serious here, but you know, I we should not be blaming Chinese people or Asian people. Do which I know. Yeah, I know. It's just like in general, like that's. I hope nobody takes away. Because I know they're dealing with stuff like that right now, currently. So that just makes me a little uncomfortable to watch that scene. I was like, ugh, fuck. And then, uh, but in general, I was kind of like, okay, my biggest pet peeve when it comes to these virus movies in general, and this is why I do think Contagion is a good movie, I like to know where it how it actually started which i know they try to tell us somewhat but i don't feel like i really know how it started like wudui did i miss that uh i don't think you missed it i i i think it's just like it it's just like said like as a what if or a rumor type of thing i don't think they don't like talk about it extensively i don't think yeah yeah they don't so it's just it's kind of Movies like this, especially at the ending too, that doesn't really, it, they they always seem like such a cop out to me. Like it, I almost feel like it's such an unoriginal script because you, I feel like someone pulls, someone's like, there's like a something in a hat and it's like, okay, a virus movie. And they're just like, all right, cool. Well, I don't really need a whole lot to this. I just need a whole bunch of stupid things to happen along the way, make it an hour and a half and we're good. Oh, we got some stars? Cool, because... I just everything, everything that was happening along the way was just, was just very dumb to me. Right, I, there, I, I I agree with you. I think there's like interesting tales of like they pulled from other films, and I think the directors, being brothers themselves, going with our nostalgic element today, throughout the movie they show home footage of these two brothers as kids on the beach playing. And I think their goal was to get to this beach where happy times were had. And at the end, yeah. there's only two remaining people. And I think they realize kind of, oh, well, it's not the same because the world's ended and I'm not with the people I enjoyed it with. So I think right. that's kind of where they were coming from, which that's fine. But, you know, all the meat in between you know, was kind of stereotypical zombie virus infected stuff like we saw in 28 Days Later where they the this group of people hole up in a country club and then all of a sudden, oh, a group of military people are holding it up and try to keep the women type of thing, you know? It doesn't go the same yeah. route, but clearly that was taken from 28 Days Later. It was like the same type of incident. Yeah, it just, it just didn't... Every everybody we met along the way, every instance along the way, it just didn't serve any. It it just ultimately was just something to get. It was a roadblock that didn't give us anything. And what really frustrated me, and I guess it's fine because we can. There there are people that we meet and they're left. You know, uh, I just I like to know like I, there are characters I invested in, and I'm like I guess they're just telling me that these people are gonna die. Is all your because that's that's the only thing I can think of is when they leave a few people on the side of the road, whatever you don't want to give it too much away. But there's some people that they meet and you end up caring for or at least somewhat invested in, and then they leave them, but you never know what happens to them again. 
And again, it could just be that they're just like, well, it goes without saying they're going to die. Or I could be thinking, like, did they somehow survive? Like, I don't know. I just, I don't like that either. I don't like that I don't know what happened to these people. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting to see how quickly characters will come in and out of the film. And, you know, one of the big stars, Piper Paraboo, you know, her conclusion is just like, it might seem realistic in this type of world, but it just doesn't because I think Chris Pine's character was just so over the top and he didn't know how to deal with anything that he just became this super villain. And you're just like, what is happening? Why? I mean, I get like part of him wants to be the responsible and safe one, but at what cost type of thing. Right. right. It just, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I think that was kind of like a big turnoff. For me, like, even though, like, Chris Pine is usually playing a really good guy, it's great to see him as the bad guy here. Yeah. Uh, and he does a really good job at it. However, I just think it could have been done better. But again, it's, you know, a it's, it's a very low budget type of flick. But I think there's a lot of good aspects to it as well. I just think execution wise, it's not all there. Yeah, and that's and that's ultimately what it is. I mean, the acting is good. There was a lot of pieces to the puzzle that were were good, but they just didn't like put them together right. And it's just it's just it's unfortunate. Like uh, it just I don't know. It didn't come together well, and I I've, I did find Chris Pine very frustrating in this film because yeah, it's fine to see him as a villain, but I didn't think that he was. He didn't even, he wasn't a, a, a smart villain, I guess you could say, because that whole time you were looking at him as the person who was making sense, like he was making sense. He lost me the minute they let go of the first people that we were invested in, because I didn't think that made sense. I was like, why? Why would you do that? I didn't think they needed, I didn't think they were at that point where they needed to leave them. Right, right. No, I, I, I agree with you. I was like, why? I just think he was making terrible decisions the whole way through. Yeah. And it led to their eventual demise. But I guess that's that type of movie. Um, well, it felt, like it felt like they were doing it just to be like, so just so you know, this is the bad brother and this is the good brother. So, and if you don't, if you don't hate this brother yet, we're going to make sure you do. Yeah, for sure. Oh. Um, yeah, the, and then I, I had this certain scene. Oh, it was, it was... When he finally, so there's a scene in the movie towards the end where Chris Pine just full goes on full villain and kills two people. And it just, it doesn't make sense. It's just, it's. Ugh, uh, ugh, that scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, because it shows like what he was doing in the beginning, what these other people were doing. And it just, I, I yeah, I, I didn't quite get it. I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of things that they were trying to say that they didn't come across like the filmmakers and writers that did that it just didn't didn't perfect the film the way that it should have however that being said it has a 66% rating on rotten tomatoes um mm. which you know that's saying something like people find good things about it and yeah. i don't know i do i recommend this movie probably not not in our current situation. 
No, I do not. Don't watch it, y'all. Yeah. Just don't do it. Go back to I don't know how she does it because at least that one is like you can make fun of it and have fun. Right, right. This mo- this one it just it takes itself really seriously and mm-hmm. very similar to kind of what we're going through now. So it's really weird. But after that, if you're really into Chris Pine, check it out. See what he did before he became a big star. He's and see him as yeah. a bad guy. Yeah, I guess I just, it would have been fun if it was, like, a fun, stupid horror flick, horror zombie movie, but it's just, it's not that. Like you said, it does take itself very seriously. It's, it is trying really hard to be deep, and it's, it just kind of leaves you a little bit depressed, honestly. And that scene that you're talking about was the scene that pissed me off the most, probably, because it was so unnecessary, and I mean, I get why they did it. He did it, but it was just like, are you kidding me? Like, you've just reached the point of no return at this point to where, like, I, I can't justify your actions at all. Right. No, I, I, I agree. So that that's Carriers. That's our blind watch for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next week, Susan might surprise us with a very happy, friendly, good film, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And I'll try a little bit better not to pick a movie that's like strictly about the virus going around. Right. <laughs> right. If, if it takes only comfort, just know that this movie, like, and that's what I was reminding myself was that, okay, this was like, you get it, you rot to death. The What's going on right now is like a very serious flu that there's more people recovered from it than have been died from right. it. Right. So that's Carriers from 2009, Blind Watch. And to round up our third episode, Pow, Right, and the Nostalgia, we're going to have our honorable mention section of just a couple things we're watching and if we recommend them. Susan. So I watched just a few uh, screeners I got to see. Um, the Other Lamb starring... I never say his name correctly. Is, is it Michelle Huseman? He was in Age of Adeline. Yeah, Michelle or, yeah, because I know it's Michael, Michelle, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's called pronounced Michelle or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So he plays a essentially a sex cult leader. Uh, it's modern. It's set in modern day, but he's taken these women out in the middle of nowhere in like a forest, and he's their like leader. And they look to him as a, a prophet. They call him Shepherd, and uh, he he brings women. He has sex with his wives, most wives, and then he also has sex with his daughters, and so on. And you can te- definitely tell some of these kids have been born out of incest. And um, it's it's shot well. The cinematography is good. The score is good, but it's a it feels like a very long dreary watch with uh no payoff you really wanted more actually for a film based on its subject i think they kind of copped out on things that they could have done they they went ahead and showed images of like dead bloody animals to represent kind of what this main character there so there's one girl that's actually like suspicious of the shepherd and thinking oh okay something's not right here and uh these dead dead carcasses are kind of like uh, a representation of her like her growth as a woman and the conflict she's feeling but 
honestly, by the point of the the end, I, I didn't think it was worth it. So maybe not that one, but unless you really want to watch like a sex cult movie, sure, why not? Why don't uh, you and I ha- started a sex cult with dudes and chicks, man? I feel like that's oh, the way God. to do it. <laughs> Now, apparently, people are dumb enough to fall for it. it I feel like, like you and I are pretty charismatic people. We could just start a whole sex cult in the woods. <laughs> right. right <laughs> and we right. could have tons no. of followers drink Kool-Aid and whatnot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> oh, my God. No. <laughs> that is so warped. I can't even. It really, like, makes me sick to see that kind of stuff. It's really sad. But it's just sad because you know it's such a – and I think that's what I think about i go to thinking like damn this this really happens when you prey on the weak but or the vulnerable more the vulnerable but uh there's also um focus features new film never rarely sometimes always again these are actually all available to rent on demand by the way i gotta Uh, say i hate that title so much it is a mouthful. It's a little too much, but I will tell you the reason why it's called that. It's because you follow this girl, Autumn, who unexpectedly gets pregnant. You never know who the father is, but you do have an assumption that it's someone she was raped by who was, you know, she can't reveal, but you kind of figure it out. But she has to go. She lives in a rural city in Pennsylvania, so she and her cousin have to go to uh, New York in Manhattan to a Planned Parenthood there to... Uh, take care of the situation. She doesn't want to have the baby. So whenever she goes to the clinic, a counselor tells her, like, you know, I have to ask you all these questions about your your past sexual experiences, and you just need to answer them. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. So you get why it's called that, but yes, it's not the best title. And um, it's another one that's a, it's a slow burn. It's not exactly, it's a tough watch to watch during this time, but it is, I would say, an important movie. It's powerful. It's very raw and honest and beautiful performances. Um, if you just, if you can stomach it, yeah, I do recommend it because I think it is a good movie. Uh, I just watched The Lost Husband last night, a screener. I just posted that review that stars Josh Duhamel and Leslie Bibb. At first sight, you'd think this was a Nicholas Sparks film. It's based on a romance novel. I don't think it is. I think there's that element of romance between the two characters. But actually, to me, it's more of a film about Leslie Bibb's um, growth. Uh, Her husband passed away in a car accident, and she has to kind of start over in life. And it's just kind of coping with his death the mistreatment of her mother growing up and being around her and just kind of her becoming her own woman and starting over. It's the most cliche, predictable film you'd ever watch. But I actually think this might be something to watch during this time that, that, that kind of like lighthearted heartwarming film that you might need right now during this time of crisis. Uh, but also if you are a fan of the TV series popular from the 1999 WB show, there is a mini little popular reunion between Leslie Bibb and Carly Pope, her other co-star, which I found enjoyment out of cause I did like that series. Um, and then you can also rent banana split, which is my favorite of the, of the four that I'm mentioning here. That was actually really fun. It stars Dylan Sprouse. I always want to call it. Yeah, he's Dylan. Uh, I cannot remember the two girls off the top of my head, but 
uh, he and his girlfriend, you follow his girlfriend and she, they, they break up. They had a really great relationship and he starts dating a new girl who his previous girlfriend ends up befriending and they have a secret friendship from Dylan Sprouse's character. And it's, it's just another one of those like coming of age dramedies that I, I think is unique because you know, it's a premise I haven't seen before. They dive deep into like kind of the feelings of what you'd go through with the breakup, how you process seeing somebody that you cared about with a new person, and then also adding that element of, whoa, what if you actually like his new girlfriend? And I, don't know. I, I, I love that. That one's my cup of tea. I, I love those teen romance comedies, and uh, the, I recommend that one out of all of them. All right. Look at those honorable mentions. I got two for you. All right. Uh, one is called The Innocence Files. It is will be on Netflix soon, and probably at the end of the week. And it is, for the true crime fans, it is a little docuseries on people who are wrongfully convicted. And so I've watched a couple episodes, but my writer, Becca Perlstein, who is also a lawyer in this arena, had a lot of good things to say about it and how just corrupt and horrible the uh, police and law enforcement are when they think they have their suspect. They do not want to look at any information or DNA. They just want to put a body to the crime. So there's a lot of that in there, and it's very aggravating. So I think uh, that kind of sheds a lot of light on how people are wrongfully convicted and how big a problem the law enforcement is in that role. So check out The Innocence Files on Netflix. And the other one, coming from Amazon Studios, is called Sela and the Spades. This is a movie directed by... Tyresha Poe, her first feature film, and it stars a cast of really unknown people minus very, very short appearances by Jesse Williams and Gina Torres. But the film is kind, I'll kind of bill it as kind of a modern day Godfather set uh, in the confines of a boarding school where... There are five different factions of students who are involved in very illegal activities, such as some one faction deals all the drugs and alcohol, one throws all the unsolicited parties, one does all the sex stuff, and, you know, something like that. And it is about this one girl named Sela who just wants to control everyone and everything. And there's very gangster-ish movie references throughout as trying to manipulate friends and people and backstab them in certain ways to get what they want. And I think the movie as a whole, I mean, first of all, it's a very slow burn film, but it also works to its advantage in that you get so much good character interactions with these students which is probably not far off from the very wealthy boarding schools where there's probably certain types of factions like this where you know the cheerleaders run the drugs and alcohol the drama kids run the big party thing under 
neath the noses of all the faculty and administration. Uh, it's a very dark movie. It's not really funny at all. Uh, but it kind of takes place, follows this girl named Sila who's trying to um, groom her next in command when she graduates high school. And I mean, this is not really a coming of age movie. This is kind of a dark, sadistic film that has a very indie feel to it, uh, as well as very mafia tie-in um, aura sense about it. So I liked it in that fact. And it's there's something very different about it. Visually, visually stunning. This director, Tyresha Poe, and its cinematography by Jomo Frey. Holy shit, please get them on another movie. I cannot wait to see them on something even bigger and crazier than this because how it's shot and made is fantastic. I think that's its best thing that it has going for it. Uh, however, I mean, I think the, 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 the performances are pretty good, uh, although I think the film kind of abruptly ends, and I think there's a reason for that. But uh, I definitely, I, I will recommend Sila in the Spades for something a little different there for you. So yeah, those are my honorable mentions, but that kind of rounds out our third episode of No BS with Brian and Susan. Uh, very excited about this. We're, we're, we're on our third episode. We'll definitely be back next week with a fourth episode, which we have already planned out. It's going to be awesome and tasty yeah. at the same time. <laughs> and yeah, I'm Brian Kluger. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Brian Kluger. You can find me at Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest and Screen Rant, amongst other places. And then Susan Kamyab, where, where can everyone find you, call you, text you, and email you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at This Chicks Flicks. I also, my website, thischicksflicks.com. Instagram is scomyob13. You can find me at the City of Irving YouTube channel. And yeah, pretty, pretty on online. And your number is still 911, right? Yep, yep, go ahead and give me a call there. <laughs> Everybody's going to be calling 911. Where is Susan? Sure. And I, sure. you know what? I still keep calling you Susan Kamyo. I know I need to start calling you Susan Stevens. It's just, I just, I, I've said your last name, Kamyo, so many times. I know, it's hard. It's, I mean, that's, I, I never correct it because my middle name is now Kamyo. So it's like, well, technically you're not wrong. But yeah, it's Susan Kamyo Stevens. But I know, like, that's, I, I'll take whatever people say. I, I sign off as Susan Stevens at the station. Though. All right, so we'll sign off with Susan Stevens here. And uh, until next week, subscribe, listen to us at Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and iHeartRadio. And we love you all. Be safe out there. Safe, yeah. Safe, yeah.